Hey, Well fam, my name is Andrew Newell. I'm a covenant community member here at the Well. My wife and I are CG shepherds for the domain CG. <laughs> and today I'll be reading the scriptures. We're reading Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. All right, redeemed to God, how are we? Good, good, good. It's good to be here with you all today. Uh, I could feel fall coming right around the corner, uh, not because of the weather by any means. It kind of still feels like we're descending into Hades every time I go outside. But uh, school is back. Welcome back. Football's coming back soon. Uh, get ready for your uh, nasty pumpkin spice people junk. <laughs> Except in pumpkin spice muffins. Y'all can make those for me every week, all right? The mugs be good. Uh, hey, we're in our second uh, week as we think about how we partner with each other in the gospel. And so uh, the first part of our series, we brought in a lot of other people who uh, we partner with in the gospel, and they led us through the time and the word together. And for the second part, we're actually thinking about how we partner with each other in the midst of the gospel. And so last week, we looked at how we refresh people's souls and how we have that ability to uplift one another's spirits. And so I really hope you did your homework and actually texted somebody who who refreshes you this week, because as you do that, you're kind of telling them, look, I need you to refresh me. And so I'm praying you did that. And also that you kind of came in today looking not just to receive, but also to like give that nurturing, that encouragement, that refreshment from others, and also that you were looking to receive this uplifting in your own souls as well. And so this week, I want to look at how we can build up the church in love, uh, really partnering together in the gospel as we serve the church. And so that's the, the theme, the direction today. It's actually one of our distinctives that we want to uh, serve the church. And so uh, I believe we partner with the gospel in really beautiful ways as we do this. And I also have some exciting updates for us as well, but I'm going to hold that out till the end of the sermon so you have to listen to this whole thing. Amen. Let's chop it up. Uh, hey, one of the main ways that we partner with each other in the gospel uh, is by using our gifts or our positions to serve one another in the Lord. And so Paul makes this really clear in this section of scripture that we just read that we can serve the church in these uh, mystical, these divine, these uh, beautiful, this glorious way where as we give, transformative things happen for the kingdom of God. 
God. And so Paul says he wants us to use these positions or these gifts or these offices, each of them slightly different in nature, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. But as we use those gifts in really the diversity of our passions or of our gifting, as they work together, we can achieve the stature of the fullness of Christ, is what this text says. Meaning, saints, and this is a crazy statement, but if we do not have the fullness of Christ individually, like verse 13 says that we can have, then it's likely that these gifts are not fully being employed because in order for us to uh, receive maturity or to receive fullness, then we need, verse 16, each part working properly so that we can build each other up in love. In other words, if you don't have all of Jesus, it's very likely that the church is not serving you in the way it was designed to do. Y'all feel me? Like that's what this text is saying, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But even before diving into the meat of this, the, the overarching idea from Paul here is very clear is that if we want to see the gospel in each other's lives, if we want to partner with one another in the gospel, if we want to see the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, then we need everyone using their gifts to serve not just themselves and build individually uh, our own lives up in the Lord, but we need to give towards one another that we might build others up in Christ as well. We need our time, our energy, our passions, our efforts that others might know Christ too. In other words, you kind of need both of these pistons working, really pumping simultaneously. You need others serving, and you need to be giving yourself if we're to have the intimacy with Christ that you have been designed by God to have. And I don't think we think about this often. Now, we say this phrase, right? Like, like I need you, and you need me, and we need each other. But literally, Paul's saying that's true if we're going to actually grow in the gospel, and so this text is pregnant with so many layers of truth. Notice some of the, the key words that Paul is saying here that bring some power, some, some beauty, some wonder into this reality that I'm talking about. He says that we are to equip the saints, right? That's actually one of our distinctives at the well, if you're a covenant member. And so we gave these gifts, these offices, really not to create a bunch of superstars, but so that the saints would be the one that is doing the work of the ministry, and so we all have these things to offer. If God saved you, then you have something to do, something that you can use to build up the kingdom of God, to literally sustain and to maintain and to grow and to mature, not just your own faith in Christ, but my faith in Christ as well. If you are a saint, then I need you if I'm going to see the fullness of Jesus. That's what this text says here. In other words, it is saints, not superstars, that build the kingdom of God. And so it's not some superstar gifting where somebody just has this unbelievable gift of fill in the blank. No, it's the saints as each part is working properly that the kingdom truly grows. In other words, if you get a bunch of superstars, they might put on a great show, but I doubt that the church will actually grow and we will not mature in Christ the way we should, y'all. It's the saints of Christ that actually create this maturity. Now notice, who does God want this for? He says for all here, right? Or for everyone. So God wants every person to grow in Christ. 
He doesn't just want intimacy with Tori as a pastor or Elizabeth as a missionary or whatever. He wants each of us to know and to love and to mature in him. And he wants each of us to be used by him. And I believe that how we serve one another will impact whether or not we see the fullness of Christ. By the way, I need some witnesses this afternoon, y'all. Okay. Notice, right, the whole body, it says here, every joint, each part is needed if we are to grow up in love. And so each of us has a different ligament in the body. And without every single ligament that is present, that means a piece of Christ will be missing, meaning I do not see the fullness of God. So I will not be able to love, serve, or know God fully. And for every ligament that's missing, that means you will not be able to love, know, or serve God fully either. So if you desire deep intimacy with Christ, you need the saints to be doing the work to give you that intimacy. Like God has interconnected the body of Christ in such a way that as Jesus prays for unity in John 17, he kind of forces it upon us if we actually want more of Jesus. And so he's interconnected us in these beautiful ways, meaning our withholding of our service to the church does not just impact my personal relationship with Jesus, but it impacts our relationship with Jesus or our ability to know Christ. That means every part of the body is not just important, family of God, it is cruel if you withhold yourself because you're literally stopping me from knowing Jesus. You're stopping your brothers and sisters from knowing Christ in the process. This is a war. Christ made that very clear. So think about it in a war analogy. If you have a bunch of soldiers, but 10 of them are like, yo, I ain't trying to really fight right now because I don't want to get my hands dirty. And they go off and they don't actually uh, go to war. You're going to leave your other brothers or sisters potentially dead. And you yourself will end up dying as well. We need everybody on mission together. We need everybody every part working properly. We need people to serve the church so that we can be the church so that we and others can know, love, and cherish Christ. But we not only need you, like collectively, like you need you to serve the church as well, or better, the Holy Spirit in partnership with you needs you to serve the church if you are to know the fullness of Christ. So when you do not do the work of ministry, you're not getting to see the fullness of Jesus. And what happens is, is you're holding out on you becoming more like Christ because to be like Christ is to serve the church because it's one of the main things that Jesus does, y'all. And so if you wanna be like Christ, we should be serving his church because Christ is continually serving his church. Now there's something really sacred and beautiful here, y'all. Like think about this because we can make it really works-based, but think about the sentence I just said. One of the main things that Christ does is serve the church. Like he's looking to serve you even right now, but if we are to be like Jesus, then we need to be serving the church as well. And so I think when we talk about like serving the church, it could kind of come across often like, uh, you just want me to serve so that you have enough kid ministers in Sunday morning. And actually, yes, in part, right? Like, like, I want my daughters to love Jesus, and I know that I cannot be the only disciple maker in their lives. And so I do want enough people serving well kids because I love my daughters, and I love your kids as well. Now, I don't want to hold your kids, but I love them, all right? And so listen, I want them to be church planners. I want them to be faithful ministers. I want them to be faithful in following Jesus. And it's not just the parent that does that. All of us do it, so you're right. We do want enough people because we love our kids. 
It's a part of what we get to do. And so, so by no means see this as like, oh, we need some more volunteers. Like see this as like, you might be building up the next church planner that saves generations, family of God. What we are doing here, it matters, y'all. It matters. That's what this text is highlighting. And so I also want this service, though, not just for our kids. I want it for you because I love you. And I believe if you're going to get the fullness of Christ, you need to be serving Christ's church. It is one of the things that Jesus does. And so we partner with each other in the gospel by serving the church. Because as we serve the church, the gospel becomes more real in my life and in your life and in our lives collectively. Now, is serving hard? Yes, at times, right? And it's often, I believe, through that sacrificial death of hardship that Christ-like life springs forth, right? And only two of y'all heard me there. Like, I believe that through the hardship of serving, as you die to yourself, you get more of Jesus. It's the sacrificial death that brings forth the life of Christ. And so as we give of ourselves, just like Christ gave of himself, then we're trusting God's goodness, just like it resurrected and blessed Christ as he ascended into heaven, we too will be resurrected and blessed as we give ourselves away to others. Not just in the kingdom come, but even right now, family of God. Like as we give, we get to see more of Jesus. Now, I love what Paul is doing here in this passage because we tend to read this through a very like, like Western lens, like individualistic is how we always have our glasses on as we read the scriptures, right? And so we look at a passage like this and we're like, am I more of an apostle or am I more of a teacher? And there's nothing wrong with that per se. It's good to know where your gifts are so that you would know how to love and serve others. But the thrust of this passage is not calling for you to know your individual gifts. It's actually calling for us to understand how the church is supposed to be working together that we might get the fullness of Christ. And so notice what Paul says happens as we serve the church or as we give ourselves up for the church. It says that we are collectively built up in love or we have the unity of the faith, or we know Jesus intimately or deeply, we mature, we get the fullness of Christ, we are not tossed by false teaching, we grow into Christ, we grow into and receive more love, we, 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 like I'm French in this mug, we, 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 Tony Parker, light-skinned French brother, all right? Like, in other words, okay, God has sovereignly designed the body to need the other members. Y'all with me there? Like, so it's good for you to know your gift individually, that, that's okay, but it's important to realize that that gift has to be set in the context of the whole. And so this, by the way, just a quick aside, is why we don't gossip about one another or why we forgive the sinner, because when you're hurting another part of the body, you're literally just hurting yourself, unless you're not a part of the body, and that's a whole other issue in and of itself, right? And so we need to learn to give to one another and in irony, we also need to learn to receive from one another to understand who is the apostle or who is the evangelist or how can your gift bless me that I might see the fullness of Christ. If you want the fullness of Jesus, you cannot do that individually. You need the body of Christ to be nurturing you into that fullness and you need to be giving into that. Paul could not be more clear here, family of God. 
It is important for me to know Jesus, for you to give, and it's important you to, for you to know Jesus, for you to give as well, that the body would be working properly. It's kind of like Inception, that movie. It's my second favorite movie of all time. I'll tell you my first in a couple of weeks, okay? Uh, but in that movie, you have each part that has to be doing their job in order for the entire mission to be complete, right? If you have not seen it, it's okay, you're in sin, but you can go see it soon. <laughs> All right, but every part has to be working together. And so you have this person that's building a maze and if she messes up, then the whole mission fails. And, and you have this person that's like driving them somewhere and trying to dodge all these uh, people trying to kill them. And you have people trying to uh, do inception, I guess, on the person so that they can be freed and on and on and on it goes. And if any part of the mission fails or anybody doesn't do their job, then they end up in this like dream world, I guess, right? And I actually believe it's really similar to the church, that if any of us do not do our job, we kind of end up in this dream world, thinking we really love the church, but not doing anything for the kingdom of God. We need each other to actually push back darkness in this world. And so you see how serving the church is important and partnering together in the gospel? Like it's not just that you're like building the well or whatever local church you're a part of, you're literally partnering with your brothers and sisters that they might know the fullness of Christ. And notice who the passage is focused on as well, family. It's focused on Jesus, right? Like as you serve, you get more of Jesus, is what this text says. It's not that Paul's focusing on the building up of like the local church, even for missions or evangelism. He's focusing on Jesus in this whole passage. As you become more like Jesus, who was a servant, then you begin to help display Jesus to others that they might know Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is who this passage is focused on. Look at all of these Jesus references here. And so serving is about you getting more of Jesus. Uh, Beth Moore, she says this in a book. She's an author. She said, trying to obey and serve God before we've come to love him can be exhausting. Whew, that's a bar, y'all. And so if you don't love Jesus, then you're just doing a bunch of busy work for the church. And this busy work, it's gonna be really hard work and it will get messy, and as it gets messy, what begins to happen is you lose this passion, and all of a sudden you get really entitled or bitter, but if you realize that this messy and hard work of building the local church in that you get to know and love Jesus, and others get to know and love Jesus, then even though it might be difficult at times, when it becomes about for and to Jesus, you can endure because it's all about Jesus, and that's who your heart adores family it needs to be all about Jesus additionally family like think about what this passage is saying as well it's saying that like as you are serving the church it's not just that you're serving the local church but you're serving Christ himself because Christ has made himself one with the church becoming the church's head is what Paul says here and so if you desire personal intimacy with our King Jesus, then one of the ways that we find that is in this service to his bride because we're directly serving and communing with Christ who has made himself one with the bride of Christ. This is profound, family of God. This is actually confusing because in every other religion in the world, the God is off in the distance and maybe if you're lucky enough, you might get a glimpse of him. Our God says, I want so much intimacy with you that I become one with the body. And so as you serve the body, you're not just building up my faith. Thank you, you 
are, and I desire that, but you're literally communing with Christ himself, family. If you want Jesus, he is found in local churches. He is found in the church of God. We need each other to see the fullness of Christ. What we are doing here, it matters, y'all. Like, it matters. I mean, think about it in this way. Because some woman from a farm town discipled someone 300 years ago, you're now sitting in this building worshiping Jesus because she blessed someone with her hospitality, and then another person in some rural town in whatever, Minnesota, they shared the gospel and started discipling her, and she ended up leading one other person to faith, and on and on it goes, and now you're getting to spend eternity with Jesus because somebody decided to use their gifts. Like, what we are doing matters. And so, is what we're doing impacting the church now? Yes, of course, and amen. We need you, but we don't just need you now. Like, the generations in the future need your gifts as well, family of God. Hebrews 11 makes that really, really clear. The the church is something that is so much bigger than any of us, but he invites all of us to come in and play. And that's a beautiful truth that we need to realize, meaning that when we are in the kingdom of God because we believe in Jesus, someone 700 years from now is going to come to you and say, thank you for helping me get here. And all the sacrifice that it took for you to build the church will be worth it because you just gained a friend for eternity. What we are doing, it matters, y'all. It matters. Paul Tripp, he says this. He's an author and uh, a theologian and a professor. He says, your life is much bigger than a good job, an understanding spouse, non-delinquent kids. It is bigger than beautiful gardens, nice vacations, and fashionable clothes. In reality, you are a part of something immense, something that began before you were born and will continue after you die. God is rescuing fallen humanity, transporting them into his kingdom and progressively changing them into his likeness and he wants you to be a part of it. What a glorious truth. We need y'all. We need your ligament. We need your bone. We need your muscle to build this church, to partner with us in advancing the gospel, to see Jesus. If I'm gonna get all of Jesus and I desire to receive as much of Jesus as possible, I need you helping me to get him. And if you're gonna get him, you need me. And if you're gonna get him, we need each other, family. We need each other to see Jesus, okay? And so let me go ahead and give an analogy to summarize this, okay? Uh, I actually need five volunteers, but I need them to be all men, though, which you'll see why in a second, okay? And so I need five volunteers. Come on, I got a clock, y'all. Raise your hands, okay? Look, uh, all right, I'm gonna start calling on people. Five men, come on, come on, five men. One, two, three, Daniel, four, right here, and five. Come on up. Y'all give these brothers a hand, okay? I'm about to get real Mike Todd up in this mug, all right? All right, uh, which one of you brothers is the strongest? Look, I'm already making them stumble, right? All right, we'll say you. You look like the biggest, okay? And so here's what I want you to do, okay? Uh, I want you to lift up these four other brothers, and I want you to just, like, run across the stage with them. Now, I don't care how you do it. You can do it whatever way you want. Y'all can go ahead and, and scheme together a little bit, so go ahead. By the way, as you're scheming, there we go, there we go, I like it. Okay, maybe one of your hands, okay, no. I mean, oh, you, you want to do it? He goes, I'm the strongest, right? By the way, I'm also going to be like the adversary, so I'm going to try to mess with you in the process, all right? Can't do it? 
Okay, great. Let's try a different analogy then. I want you, or no, we'll say you're the strongest now. I want you to lift up Daniel. He's one of our elders, so he'll get the special privilege. I want you to lift him up (laughs) into the heavens, all right? Like above your head. Like above your head. You can't do it? Okay, one more. I need four of y'all to lift up one of these brothers. I don't care who it is, okay? We'll lift up Daniel again. Great. (laughs) Daniel, oh my gosh. That's getting real, real, real. There we go. Lift him up. Lift him up. Look at that. Uh, all right, you can be done. Sorry, I didn't give you. You can just stay up here the rest of the time and do that. I'm just kidding. Y'all can go. Yeah, he said, can we go? Okay, think about that analogy, right? When each part is working properly, we're able to lift one another up, okay? Some of y'all are like, I'm really glad I did not volunteer. Praise God, okay? When each part is working properly, we are able to lift one another up. And what happens is, I believe, is that too often there are just a few people that are doing all of the work, y'all. And so it's like the first analogy that I gave where there's one person trying to carry all these people and the brother can barely carry one, right? Because we need each other in the midst of this. In fact, I don't think one individual can lift up one other individual. I think we need the church at large. But as you begin to uh, get everybody together, we're actually able to lift one another up. And I just want y'all to know I need to be lifted up to Jesus, y'all. And I believe that you need that as well. And so we need you. You have something to offer, okay? Now, good announcement. Y'all ready? We move into the east side. Some of you are like, what's that? East side? Move to the east side, okay? So we will, now hear me really, really clearly, all right? At some point around the like Thanksgiving-ish time frame, be transitioning into uh, east side high school. And so we've been working with them for a while. We'll be shifting over to the mornings, which is a good win. Hallelujah. Now look, I know some of y'all have been used to waking up at 1 p.m. on Sundays, all right? You gotta like shake the cobwebs off a little bit. But listen, the first two Sundays it'll be hard and then you'll be done at 12 and you'll get to watch the cobwebs and be like, wow, this is way better, okay? Or go to brunch or whatever your thing is, okay? Um, And so moving over there, we're also originally, because of the size of it, we'll be moving to just one gathering so we'll all be together as a family together, amen. Now, I believe that, you know, moving to the mornings, moving back to where we want to be, we might grow so that we might shift into two gatherings. I don't know. And we might shift on that time just a little bit. We're kind of finalizing the contract. And so uh, sometime this calendar year, though, is when the plan is. And so be praying for that because it'll be coming soon. And so obviously this sermon is intentional because with a move like that, we're going to need your help. All right. And so I'm not going to cap with you. Like, that's why we gave this sermon today. Um, and so, but, but within that, y'all, like, can I paint uh, things a little bit about how something like setting up on Sundays again actually serves the body at large? First of all, I want you to think about this, like, like walk with me through this analogy. Like what you're doing is you're actually mirroring or you're imaging the saints all throughout the history of the scriptures. For example, think about the Exodus and how they built the tabernacle over and over and over again. There were all these people that were going to build the tabernacle so that the people had a space to be able to meet with God, for God to be known by the people and for the people to be able to know God as well. They had to literally 
literally set up and tear down the tabernacle every place that they went. But through this, the people worship and they offered sacrifices and, and they met with God. And now, in an even greater way, we get to do the same sort of thing, setting up and taking down a place for people to be able to meet with God and to honor God and to offer worship to God and sacrifices of, of our praise and our mouths or, or our gifts or our, our treasures or our talents. And we ourselves get to interact with God as well. We're literally imaging the saints all throughout Old Testament history. So think about the past or, family, think about the future as well. Because as we set up every Sunday, we're actually mirroring something divine, something heavenly. You see, we're mirroring Christ, who's setting up the kingdom for us, literally right now. And often when we think about Christ setting up the kingdom, I don't think we really think about the reality of what he's doing. But right now, he's preparing a place for you, the scriptures say. And so I believe when you come to commune with Christ, you're not just going to come to some like random uh, thing that, that, that you don't really care about. Like he knows you individually, family, meaning I believe he's setting the table for you. Like if you like beautiful flowers, I think they'll be there on that table. If you like cute kind of whatever, I don't, I'm not an interior designer, so I'm going to leave that analogy alone, okay? If you like houses, right, in the house he's preparing for you, which the scriptures say, I believe is going to be for you, like Christ is setting up a place for you right now that you might know him in beautiful ways. So we're imaging Christ, Elibet, in a high school gym, so we're always reminded that we're not in the kingdom yet, right? But I believe that we're imaging Christ in really beautiful ways. And I'm just hitting setup, y'all. I'm not hitting preaching or giving or singing or serving the kids. Like, we're imaging the kingdom to come, okay? Now, back to the sermon idea, serve the church. Is that hard? Yes, it's hard sometimes, right? Because it sounds really good right now, but one of y'all is in your zeal gonna sign up to help with our trailer team, and it's gonna be 7 a.m., and you're gonna be cussing me out in your head as you cut your finger trying to hitch the trailer, right? And it sounds really good, but like it's hard sometimes, I believe, because ministry is work, and we have to remember this. That's why last week was actually really important, y'all, because it is work that means we will be tired, so we need to uh, encourage each other's spirits on a continual basis. We need others to build us up and to bring refreshment in the process. Y'all feeling me? We need to be refreshed always because ministry is work. In fact, Paul says that, right? He doesn't neglect this reality. He says we are to equip, which is a working thing, or we are literally to do the work of ministry, or we are to build. That means it takes sacrifice or effort or time. And when that begins to grate against our flesh, we need to remember why we're doing this, y'all. It's because we get to see more of Jesus. And it may not feel like it on a day-to-day -day basis, similar to working out. You might work out for a month and be like, yo, I ain't seeing nothing, but something's happening. You just can't physically see the results yet. I believe the same is true in the serving of the church. I believe as people have given themselves over and over and over, it has led to our church planners, it has led to our missionaries, it has led to us getting to see more of Jesus. We have to see both the kingdom future and even like two years from now future in order to maintain because we get to see more of Jesus. And so this is an important work. And when you realize the kingdom that is to come or Christ or the body or when you think about the importance of your neighbor's soul, right? 
Like, like that they are a spiritual, eternal. When you think about people who are not in here worshiping Christ just yet, who do not know the beauty and the majesty of God, then what happens is, is our service becomes not an obligatory check mark that turns us hostile when it gets hard, but it becomes a joyful sacrifice as we hold one another together in love, family. That is what we are getting to do. And I believe when you lack the motivation to serve or when it's hard because you feel like you're up here carrying everyone and the enemy's trying to push you around while you carry or when you fail at serving, I believe that there's somebody we can look to. I believe that Jesus actually is our example and our fulfillment of this passage to perfection, family. Think about this with me. Just go through verse 11, right? Jesus is the great apostle, is he not? Like, he came from heaven to earth, John 3.16 tells us, starting a work where there was none, John chapter 1 tells us. He's the perfect prophet, that every single one of his words that he uttered was directly from God and was proved to be true. He's the great evangelist who came to find the woman at the well or, or the sinner named Matthew or, or the Pharisee named Nicodemus to, to share gospel truth with them. He is the shepherd that lays down his life for his bride, John chapter 10 tells us, who is serving and giving and laying down like a good shepherd. He is the one that is the great teacher, literally called rabbi by many, giving us sermons like the Sermon on the Mount, clearly able to to exegete God's word. Jesus was the embodiment of every single one of those gifts, giving himself away to serve the church over and over and over again. And yet, instead of the church worshiping Christ, they crucified him. Instead of the church falling in love with the service of Jesus, they killed him. They took advantage of his grace. They mistreated his love. Jesus served all the way to the cross. In fact, it was his love for the church that got him crucified, family. You see, Jesus, his purchase, his, his gift was the local church. It was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross, despising the shame. What was the joy? It was you and it was me. Christ's love for the church, his service to the church, literally got him killed. And so rather than dying an apostle, he died a criminal. Jesus died as the crushed one, not as the one sent from God. He died bearing our sin on that cross, not uttering the words of a teacher, but uttering that of agony. Why, family of God? Why did he do that? It's because he loves you. It's because you serve a savior that loves you, that you, if you believe in him, might be free from sin, that you would have the ability, if you believe in him, and you place your faith in God to be in right relationship with God forever, that you, if you believe in him, would not just be left off on an island by yourself, but placed in the church, who is the bride of Christ, him now becoming your head, Jesus becoming one with you. This is what Christ died for. He died because he loved you, family of God. He died serving the church. He died that he might place you in a family. And now that you might have these gifts that now no longer does your life serve no purpose, but you are doing things that impact generations to come. Jesus died for your soul, beloved, that you would have purpose and value. Jesus died for you, family. Jesus died for you. And now we have the ability to serve one another. In other words, Jesus died serving the church. Now we get to live serving the church. 
And so if you're not a part of the church, like the big C church, if, if you're not a Christian, if you're unsure of where you are with Jesus, I want you to know that there's a God who desires to serve you. There's a God who desires relationship with you. He is not looking for your service to him as though he needs something, he needs nothing. He is looking to serve you, to give to you, that you might be built up. And family of God, if you have believed in this Jesus, then know that now he still doesn't need anything from you, but he lets you partner with him in ministry, family. He allows you to be a part of the process. He wants to know you that much more. And as you give yourself to the church, you get more and more of Jesus. You get Jesus over and over and over again. And so we all need you, family of God. So you may be crushing it, laying down your life right now. Listen, thank you, okay? Like, like not as a pastor of the church, thank you, that too. But as an individual who wants to see more of Jesus, I need you to lay your life down if I'm gonna see Christ. And so thank you for helping me see Jesus. We need you, but also I want you to pray because you might be killing it, but you can't carry somebody all by yourself. It's hard to do that, family. We need each other. And if you're not serving, I want you to know you're not just hurting your relationship with Christ, you're hurting our relationship with Christ as well. And so figure out your gifts. Find even small ways that you can serve, okay? As we move, we're gonna need people. I'm unashamed of asking that now because I'm not asking you to do something that's gonna tax you at some point. I want you to know more of Jesus. And so go to the Connect card, right? And, oh, look at that. I forgot, okay, thewillhouse.com slash connect. It's right there, that was so fast, dang. All right, and say, hey, like, I wanna serve. Like, if you're like, I don't know where to go, I don't know where to give. Some of y'all are giving like crazy. Don't sign up for something else, okay? Don't try to carry everybody yourself. But for some of us, it's like, man, we can give. And so go there later, sign up for the Set Up and Tear Down team, or just say, hey, wherever I'm needed, like, put me in. And I believe that there's a lot of community that is found there. So more to come in future sermons, okay? More to come at the business meeting, which is at the end of September for us covenant members. But I believe we should partner with each other, y'all. That's how we partner with one another in the gospel. And I don't mean just the well, all right? If you're like, man, I don't know if the well is the right place for me. Listen, there are all sorts of gospel preaching local churches. Just get involved in some local church, y'all, because this is where Christ is displayed, is in his church. So look to your neighbor and say, I need you. The church is not built on the talents of the few, but on the sacrifices of many, amen? Amen. Hey, and all of you who call the well your home, hey, thank you. Like, let's keep building, y'all, all right? Let's keep building. I love you guys. Let's pray.